five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Today's episode is the first part of a two-part interview with Jan Sharis. Jan is the Executive Officer at Give a Kidney Charity, and in today's episode, shares her story of donating her kidney to a stranger. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Jan? I'm well, thank you, Dee. How are you? I'm good, you know. It's wonderful to have you here today. Today we're talking about non-directed kidney donation. That's right. And when I say that, I'm just kind of, to be honest with you, I am filled with awe because I just couldn't imagine what, like, I don't even know how to even start by saying, I don't know how someone actually gets to the point where they are willing to give such a precious gift to someone. I mean, we're not talking about, and I don't mean to be flippant here, but we're not talking about giving somebody a, a cup of sugar or lending somebody your favorite CD or favorite outfit. We're talking about ultimately giving somebody the gift of life, you know, sharing a precious part of yourself with a complete stranger. And the expression that comes to me when I think of this is the expression that says, not all heroes wear capes. And to me, it takes a special type of person to make that decision to help someone else. And so, I just want to start by saying I think that you're amazing like you are an absolutely amazing person and I just wanted to do this interview today to give you the opportunity to share your story and just to kind of get into the mind of somebody that that is just so amazing and why you came to this decision so so yeah, so the first thing I want to say is you're amazing and thank you for your gift. And yes, how did this come about for you? Tell me your story. Okay, thank, well, thank you. That's quite humbling to hear you say I don't feel amazing. I feel just like a that I've offered something as other people offer any kind of charitable donation. You know, lots and lots of people give blood and it's a very similar concept, really. I, I agree. It kind of takes it to the next level, but it but it is, you know, the idea of, um, you know, how fortunate some people are to have something, um, to be blessed with something, and other people are not so fortunate. Um, so for me, it feels like, gosh, I'm really, really lucky actually to be to have been privileged enough to be able to offer you know, a kidney to somebody who needed one, you know, what, how wonderful is that? So, um, yeah, thank you. I don't feel, yeah, it just feels like, to me, it feels like a resource that I have that someone else needed. So 
for me, it was a kind of no no brainer in lots of ways. Um, so to, so how how did I how did it begin? I, I suppose I I remember very vividly the day I think the seed was planted in my head. I was driving up the M6 to um, where I was working at the time, and I was listening to the radio, and there was a lady on the radio talking about. Um, having donated a kidney to somebody or a stranger on the waiting list um, and it just resonated immediately I mean as soon as I heard it I thought oh you know I could do that that's something I could do and she was very much talking about the same the same ethos really that you know if if we have something that somebody else needs and someone else is suffering because they don't have it and we don't need it you know if surely most people you would think would would want to help um so i think the seed was the seed was kind of planted in my head from that point and i didn't really do anything about it at that point but it was kind of in the background of hmm, maybe that's something i could look into at some point um so then yeah kind of some time later maybe a year or so later when you know i kind of work was a bit less busy and had a bit more space in my head i kind of started exploring exploring it a little bit and just researching kind of how you went about doing you know is this something that people a lot of people do how do you do where do you even begin um and it was really funny because as I started to do it as I started to kind of read about it it felt like almost everywhere I went somebody was talking to me about kidney disease or somebody somebody was talking to me about organ donation or blood that you know so it kind of really felt like okay I think yeah, this is probably the time that I should be doing this. So, yeah, I started looking at, you know, websites and looking at the NHS website and the Give a Kidney website um, and eventually kind of plucked up the courage to pick up the phone um, to my, uh, to one of the transplant units to say, you know, I'm interested in doing this. Um, and this is some, you know, this is going back some years now. Um when this was probably not as common as it as it is now, I think. So, yeah, it took me a little while to get through to the right person or to find out who was the right person to talk to. Um, and then I got through to the coordinator at kind of my relatively local hospital, which is one of the referring units into a transplant centre. Um, and she said, you know, I'm going to send you some information, but it sounds like you've already done some research, but read the information if you're still interested, you know, give me a ring and we'll make an appointment for you to come in. So that was one of the living donor coordinators um, in, in Preston, which is um, in the northwest. So that was my kind of local um, assessment centre. Um, so, yeah, and then I just kind of rocked up for a initial meeting and she talked me through the process and she kind of took some information about my you know medical history and health and you know that first question of why 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 do you want to do this um and I think on that day you know she said to me on that day you know it looks like you've already made your you've done your research you've already made your mind up haven't you and I said yeah I have so we started the assessment process that day so I left you know she did some bloods and did that first initial screening rule out any you know any kind of kidney disease first and foremost um and then from yeah and then it went from from there so didn't you have any concerns whatsoever for your own health and safety I mean 
a lot of people that I've spoken to, their concern when it comes to being a living donor is if I donate a kidney, then my health is going to be affected and my health is going to go down. So wasn't that ever a concern for you? Um, I think it was something I thought about. Um, I knew from the research that I'd done that actually donating a kidney, you know, you have this kind of full MOT essentially. So they put, you you know, you have everything tested pretty much to check that you're well enough and healthy enough to do this. And and they were really clear about that. You know, from day one, they said, you know, there's, there's a chance that you won't be found to be well enough or healthy enough or something might come up that we didn't expect that will really rule you out because you know they were very clear and, and are very clear about wanting to keep donors of course as they, they don't want a donor then to become a patient you know they they want to keep you as safe as possible so I knew there were some risks of course it's surgery and every surgery carries a risk and it, it is major so you know there's no getting away from it it's major surgery but I knew what the risks were I knew they were relatively low in for me in comparison to the benefit that somebody else would have you know would get if this kidney were to go to someone in need and it works um so it felt like you know you know I you know I, I was driving up the M6 every day you know there's a risk in that you know I, as soon as I get in my car and drive onto a road there's a risk so it felt like there was a risk but it was a kind of measured risk I guess um and I also knew I was fit and healthy and the other thing that went through me and it's coming back now was that was that sense of well do you know what if the doctors had said to me you've got cancer of the kidney we need to take this kidney out I wouldn't be hesitating do you know I would just be going great take the kidney out and it's the same operation essentially but I'm fit and healthy so for me it kind of felt like well that really makes sense and it yeah the benefit seemed to outweigh the any potential risk to me. Yeah. A lot of people who do living donation actually do so for a family member or a friend or somebody they know or they're close to. But in your case, your kidney actually, from the onset, you knew that it was going to go to a complete stranger. So why? Like... I don't know how to ask the question any other way, but, you know, a complete stranger, somebody you don't know. So, you know, why why would you do that? Um, well, I, I guess, firstly, there was no one in my family who needed it. Um, so, of course, had there been, that might have made, a, made the decision very different. Um, but I think, well, part, and partly that was a, an incentive as well. I think, you know, I... I don't have any history of kidney disease in my family. You know, the likelihood of somebody in my immediate family becoming unwell with with, with kidney disease was was slim. Um, so for me, you know, a lot of people ask this question. So, you know, I'd, I'd all say to me, you know, I'd have done it for a friend or a family member. That would feel comfortable for me because, you know, they're my loved one, but but why would but why a stranger you don't know who it's going to and I think for me and I hear other non-directed donors say the same thing that distinction between my family and someone else's family I think it feels different somehow like to me it didn't really matter that it was not my daughter mum dad brother cousin 
because it's somebody's daughter, mum, dad, brother, cousin. And if it were mine, I would want somebody to step forward and help. Just simple as that. If, it, if I needed a kidney, I would want there to be one. I would want somebody to be offering one if they had two and had two healthy ones. It just, yeah, just seemed like the right thing to do somehow. So, it, yeah, it didn't matter that it was, because everybody on that waiting list, well, as you know, everybody on that waiting list needs a kidney, you know. These are people that actually do need a kidney. These are not hypothetical in 10 years, somebody might. These are people who need a kidney and there are not, there are just not enough donors. There are not enough donors coming forward or even deceased donors to, to take those people off the waiting list and, yeah, give them the opportunity of regaining their health. I mean, what, what a wonderful thing to be able to potentially offer somebody. Wow. So how was the actual process, though, from the first time you went in and you had the initial assessments? And obviously, I know that you have blood tests and other type of tests. So how was the actual process? How was how was the actual how did the surgery go? I mean, how long did it take you to recover? Sorry, I've asked you loads within that, haven't I? That's okay. (laughs) Okay, um, so the process is is quite lengthy. I think any donor will tell you that. Um, most donors say that, although it's got a bit quicker now. But um, so there's a series of assessments usually. So blood tests, urine tests. Um, some people have ECGs. There are scans on your kidneys and um, different things to test how effective and efficient your kidneys are. Um, all sorts, all sorts of tests that are kind of now. There's a kind of standardised set of. Um, you know, tests that everybody goes through that, are, you know, that are professionally created and everybody everybody goes through the same process. There's also a kind of a psychological assessment, a mental health assessment, just to make sure that you kind of understand what you're doing and, and understand what the risks are and just to check, you know, your, your motivations and how it might be for you if, you know, if, if the kidney didn't work or if you didn't hear from that person and, yeah, so so there's a lot that you you know there's a lot of showing up to appointments and having things done to your body at various various times. Um, and then for me, my surgery was in Manchester because that's the nearest transplanting unit to me. So um, of course, I didn't really know anybody there. I'd gone through a team in Preston uh, where my coordinator was. So it was kind of a bit strange going into a hospital that was essentially relatively new to me. Um, but I had met the surgeon there and I had met the coordinator there. So I kind of knew what to expect. Um, and it was it was OK. You know, it's you know, it's a few years on now. So I wonder if it's, you know, faded a little bit, but it was OK. I mean, it was, you know, nobody likes going into hospital, I don't think. And it's not a pleasant place to be. Um, but I was well looked after. And I, I think I went in on a. I think I went in on a, I went in on a Wednesday night um, for because I was kind of the first person down the following morning. Um, it was all a bit surreal because, of course, when we go into hospitals, usually we're going in because we're unwell. But I was going in kind of as fit and healthy as I've ever been, really. So a bit strange, kind of getting into a hospital bed and putting your pajamas on, and you know, having a you know, you've been fitted up for a drip and to kind of hydrate your body and 
yeah, it felt a bit bizarre, really. I felt a bit like a fraud. Um, and then surgery was the following morning. Um, and I think it took about three or four hours. Um, and then they obviously whipped my kidney off to its recipient, which was who, who was in a different hospital somewhere else in the country. Um, so, yeah, obviously, I don't, you know, that's just, I just went to sleep and woke up and it was done. And, and my pain was managed well. Um, I wasn't in a great deal of pain, but I did feel really nauseous. Um, I think as a result of the painkillers, um, and I really struggled with that because I, I really don't like the feeling of, no, I'd rather be in pain than feel sick. It just, that was really unpleasant. So I, I think eventually, you know, over that day, kind of I was taken off. They tried different medications and eventually just onto paracetamol. Um, at my, I think at my request because I just just didn't want the nausea um, and very you know tender and a bit sore and a bit out of it from the anaesthetic. Um, but no, you know, but no different to anyone who'd be having that surgery because they need it. You know, that's kind of the you know that you, you do that, don't you? Go through that process for the for the benefit, and I think. Yeah, a couple of days of feeling pretty rough, if I'm not, if I'm honest, um, and a bit uncomfortable, um, but not too, you know, not too bad. I've got nothing really to compare it to because that's my only major surgery, so I can't really say, well, it felt a bit like this, or you know, it felt like that. But it it was it was manageable, and my pain was managed, and I was home, you know, three days later, uh, Sunday, the Sunday. The operation was Thursday and I came home on the Sunday. Um, and mostly just really, I, and I'm sure people, anyone who's had an anaesthetic will kind of will know, but they, they're just wiped out really, just really tired. Um, because your body's, all your energy's going into healing. Um, and I've heard people say actually the donor can feel a bit worse because obviously they've lost something and the recipient actually gains something and starts to feel better whereas the donor feels worse for a few days. But, but you know, in a, you know I, went, I was back at work in six weeks and, um, you know, now I barely think of, you know, I've got a couple of little scars, but I mean, it just, I barely think about it unless I'm kind of talking to somebody like you. And, um, and that, you know, in a situation like this, it's, you know, my, my life, has, nothing's changed. You know, my life, I carry on my life as normal and, you know, I'm fit and well and healthy and no long-term effects. I'm checked every year. Um, you know, I get a kind of assessment every year just to make sure. So they keep an extra eye on that remaining kidney just to flag up any issues as early as possible. But, but so far, so good. That is truly incredible. Something that I didn't actually mention before, but I think that needs to be said is that this donation, you, you're not getting any money for it whatsoever. You're doing it absolutely free of charge and, and from, you know, out of the goodness of your own heart. And I think that needs to be mentioned as well. Um, because unfortunately, would you believe I have had, um, I don't even know how they got my number, but I've had messages on WhatsApp. I've had, I've been inboxed on um, social media, people actually offering to sell me a kidney. And 
To say that I was disgusted, I don't think that there's even a word in the, the English language that could describe how I felt about about that, that somebody out there is preying on people's situations. I, I, I don't even know how to express how disgusted I was to, to get that message and, and no doubt I you know blocked those individuals. But I think it, it just needs to be said that when, you know, as a non-directed donor, you are doing so free of charge. And to you said that the recovery, it took about six weeks as well. So to not receive any payment and to take six weeks to recover, that is a massive sacrifice on, on your part. That is just... It just as I, as I started at the beginning of this interview, not all heroes wear capes. And to say that you're doing something for free, out of the goodness of your heart, and sacrificing so much of your own life to give a gift to someone else again, why did you come? You know, why were you willing to do it for free? You know, and to sacrifice so much. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, it. it you know there. Yeah, in other countries, I think there is a, you know, legal or otherwise, I think often illegal kind of trade of organs, which is, you know, as you said, it's kind of hard to even comprehend, isn't it? And and, and people's desperation to sell as well. I kind of think, gosh, what must that person be? You know, they must be in a terrible state to kind of be trying to sell one of their organs. It just kind of baffles me. But um yeah, really sad, actually, and sad that you've been approached in that way. And as you said, kind of preying on people's vulnerability in, in lots of ways. Um, so it, it's illegal in the UK to, to receive any kind of financial incentive or any kind of incentive or reward. Um, so there's there's a really clear law in part of the assessment process is a meeting mm-hmm. with um, the Human Tissue Authority, um, who and their job is to make sure that the donation is being carried out to the law so one of the questions they ask is about you know are you receiving any payment are you being coerced are you have you been promised anything in return I mean obviously with this kind of anonymous donation that makes that much simpler because I don't know who the recipient is so they can't coerce me and they can't pay me um and I of course that's you know that wouldn't be what anybody would want but um but there is a there is an expenses um, program. So this is really important for people, I think, who are thinking about it, because I did have to take six weeks off work. And, you know, I couldn't afford to do that at the time if, you know, I couldn't just afford to take six weeks unpaid leave. Um, and a lot of people couldn't, you know, and wouldn't. Um, so there was a clear expenses policy that the NH- NHS Blood and Transplants have um, created that um, essentially covers any legitimate expenses, so expenses for travel to all your assessments and expenses for loss of earnings, which have to be, um, you know, kind of proven. So, you know, they'd want to see pay slips and they'd need a letter from your employer. Um, so so there is a there is a system to make sure that or the theory is that the donor shouldn't be um, negatively financially impacted. So they shouldn't lose their earnings for six weeks or however long they, they take to recover, that the NHS should reimburse that. 
Um, it's a bit of a kind of clumsy process and a bit of a clunky process at times with all the evidencing of it. But it's but it is really important because I couldn't have I just couldn't financially I couldn't have done it otherwise. And I was really reassured that that was that was there to kind of you know fill that gap. Um, but yeah, of course, not making any kind of not making any profit as it were, but but not being negatively impacted either. So. So that's, yeah, that's a national scheme. Um, so anyone who's thinking about donating can talk to their coordinator about what they'd be entitled to under that. And it's very clear um, which expenses are, are coverable. I know it's anonymous, but do you actually get any information whatsoever about the person that you're donating to? So it, so it varies. I think some people want to know some people don't want to know um so there are there are there are bits of information you can be told um i knew i was told that the kidney had worked um on the so i so my surgeon had spoken to the surgeon who'd implanted the kidney into the recipient which was and he came to see me while I was in the hospital, which was so, so lovely to hear. And he said, I've spoken to the surgeon. It was a beautiful kidney and it started working straight away, which is a really good indicator of success. Um, so that was really lovely. I mean, that was kind of a real high point in that kind of time when you're feeling pretty grotty and recovering. So to hear that it had gone well. And that was really important for me to know that it, that it had worked. Um, and then, and then really with anonymous, with non-directed kind of anonymous donations, the kind of protocol is that it's it's kept absolutely anonymous until the point of donation and, and receipt. Um, and then it's kind of up to the recipient to decide whether they want to make contact with the donor. So the donors are, oh, I think this is still the same, the donors are kind of, um, counseled that they may never hear you may never know you may never the likelihood is you won't hear from the recipient um, and I was kind of comfortable really comfortable with that I didn't need to want to particularly um, until I got a letter from the recipient and then I was so glad to have heard um, and it was a, quite a long time after the donation um, more than a year um, but really, yeah, very brief information. It was kind of, I know the person's first name. I know her age, um, agenda, obviously, and a little bit about, you know, what she told me about her life in, in that kind of one letter. Um, so I'd kind of assumed I never would hear. I was quite comfortable with never hearing. But when I did hear, I was really, it really made me emotional to, to receive that. Um, I think particularly after such a long time, actually, but no, it was still working and that it had done what, what I wanted it to do, which was, yeah, give someone a chance of getting their life back, you know, getting, you know, off dialysis or preventing them having been on dialysis even and, and being out in the world and living as full a life as I'm able to, you know, so, it, yeah, I I feel emotional now talking about it, but it really didn't expect to hear. And I was very, very grateful that I did. Wow. Wow. That's that's so amazing to know that your gift has helped somebody 
change their life and save their life that's just so amazing so what would you say to someone who's thinking about living donation and becoming a living donor I think I'd say I mean for me hands down it's one of the best things most useful things I've ever done in my life and I feel really proud that I was able to and still carry it with me as a yeah that was it. I'm glad I did that really glad I did that and I hear that from an awful lot of people you know whatever their experience has been I think most people are glad that they've that they've done it and I think it's a really personal choice it's not for everybody and I think you've got to be comfortable with the risk benefit equation you've got to be comfortable that the benefit potential benefit for that recipient whether that's someone you know and love or whether it's a stranger is enough for you to kind of weigh outweigh the the risks um, I would say really do your research understand what the risks are talk to other donors if you can to get a sense of what it was like for them um, because this is just my experience um, and really think about I think people know you know I think my sense is people know if this is something they can do or not um, I think people have an instinct as to okay, yes, I'd be willing to do this or just no, I wouldn't. And I think that that falls on a spectrum. I think there are people who would be willing to do this for their child, parent, partner, but not for a stranger. And there are people who are willing to just recognise that all of those people are somebody's partner, parent, child, you know, and but where you where you are on that spectrum is, is your choice because it's your body and it's your life and yeah, so how you want to live it is is up to you. But I would say look into it, do your research. If you can't be a living donor or I don't feel that that's for you, I would absolutely urge you to sign the organ donor register to become a deceased donor if you can do that or donate blood. You know, all those things really matter as well. So, you know, we all give in the way that we give. You might donate to charity, you might give blood, you might do voluntary work. You know, it's it's another way of giving back to the world and um, everyone finds their own language for that. So yeah, but don't discount it, I would say. Have a think. Yeah, and if it resonates for you, then do talk to other people, have a read, contact Give a Kidney, the charity, if you're interested in finding out more. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me today. And for just being such an amazing person. I, I just can't say that enough. Thank you so much for all that you've done. And my final question is, if anyone wants to contact you online, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, the easiest way is, is through Give a Kidney. So it's www.giveakidney.org. That's got all our contact information on. Um, if you just make sure it's uh, you say if it's an email or on our Facebook page or Twitter um, just a message for Jan and um, I'd be really happy to hear from people and yeah talk talk to them and uh, find out what what their concerns or interests are absolutely so thank you for inviting me here today and allowing me to yeah share my story thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast and don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. 
please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kitty Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.